Ephesians chapter 2. Wow. Listen to the word of God. And you, he made alive when you were dead through the trespasses of your sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Among these, we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, following the desires of body and mind. And so we were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of humankind. Verse 4, but God, who is rich in mercy, out of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, God made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with God and made us sit with God in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the coming ages, God might show the immeasurable riches of God's grace and kindness toward us in Jesus Christ. Verse 8, for by grace... You have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not because of works. least anyone should boast. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Bless the name of God. God, we are grateful for your grace and for your mercy. I'm grateful for your presence in this place on today. Move now by your spirit and by your power. And do what only you alone can do. God, we will not fail. We'll take no credit for the outcome of this day. But we will give you all the praise, the honor, and the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. This is my notes for today. Black blind screen here we go here we go here we go where are the smiths part two where are the smiths is a question that was raised on last week and so eloquently and convincingly answered by Reverend Needham she talked about the Smiths as people who have gifts, and talents, abilities, people who can help us do so many of what is needed here at the church. She talked about how people end up being sucked into their jobs at work, amen, and not really liking what they're doing, but hating what they're actually uh, doing on their job. And talked about how in the church today, the Smiths are gone. Talked about how in past, like uh, people uh, really don't understand where their names came from, but their names were really associated with what their families did for a living. So if you worked in gold, you were a goldsmith. If you were a weaver, you were named weaver. You know, we, we talked about if you worked in copper, you're a coppersmith. And smith became a description of the work that your family did work that sustained individuals and families and uh, communities and now that how important that is you talked about people who have no imagination 
for anything different and new. And so they're afraid to step out and be all that God created them and called them to be and to do. Today I want to look at uh, this passage of scripture. Remenita is an Old Testament scholar, and so she always takes the look at these subject matters from the Old Testament. I'm a New Testament lover, not scholar, but lover, and so I love the New Testament. So you got the Old Testament view of it last week. This week you get the New Testament passage of scripture that she just mentioned in passing uh, to where she was going with her sermon. So today, because we are committed to excellence and because excellence for us means that there's always something left to be said, another angle. One of the things that I train my preaching students at the college to do is to preach the same text in four different ways so that you learn to look at the text as a prism of sort and look at it from the standpoint of not just one angle, but look at it from many different angles. So we're looking at this passage of scripture today and prayerfully I can make my contributions to this wonderful subject matter of where are the smiths? Where are the smiths is a question that when answered, when asked, uh, some folks are left feeling as though, look, I, I, I know what you're saying. I heard what you say, but how do I become a smith? How do I become a smith? I want to do something more than just work the job I work. I want to be more than the job that I actually get paid for. But, but, but how do I do that as a child of God? How do I do that? And so I believe that question of whether or not you can be a smith or not, a person with a gift, a person with a skill, a person with a craft, a person with something that you can do if they were to fire you when you went to your job in the morning. What can you do? Come on, y'all. What can you do to be helpful to the body of Christ? What can you do, amen, uh, to help advance the cause of the church? What can you do? To help advance the kingdom of God. That's what we want to talk about today in this, in this passage of scripture. Amen. So this message is for folk who cannot answer affirmatively that they are a smith. This, this is for the folks who were at the altar last week, amen, who said, I, I want more, I, I want to be more, I, I want to do more, but I just don't quite know how to do that, amen. I contend to you with you today that the systems of this world have made such consumers out of us that we produce very little, if anything, of value or of use. We are the consumer generation and not the producers as our four parents were. We are not inventing much these days. Rather, we sit and wait on the new iteration. Come on. The new iteration of that which we already know. The sad news about this. Amen. This is not the version I want to pray. Amen. <laughs> uh, skipped out on it. Amen. But, but in the end... God is calling on us and God is sharing with us, I believe, in this season what we need in order for us to be a stronger church. I believe God is challenging all of us. 
that when we hear messages like this, that we ought to search ourselves deeply and sincerely and ask ourselves the question, what can I do more to benefit the body of Christ? Amen. Come on, y'all. Maybe this question uh, or maybe this feeling of I don't quite know what to do. I don't quite know who I am in this large. Maybe that question is the same question that Paul was trying uh, to answer in the church at Ephesus. These new Christians that Paul had developed in the region that was a commercial region. Come on. Ephesus was a major marketing city and so Paul would want the members of his church come on to benefit from what is going on in the city of Ephesus. So Paul reminds Reminds them that of all the blessings that Paul, that, 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 that the, the Christians had in Christ Jesus. Of all the blessings that they had. And mind you, they had a lot of blessings. Ephesians is one of those books Paul gets so excited writing what he's writing to the saints because he wants the saints. Come on, to get this message real quickly. Paul is writing with so much excitement. Come on, Michael. He begins the book with a, with a benediction. Come on. He, he, he begins. Normally, the benedictions come at the end of the book. But Paul is so excited about the blessings that he wants uh, his members to get that he begins the book. Blessed are you, come on, with every spiritual blessing in high places. Paul, uh, he can't even get to writing about the theology of being in Christ because he's so excited about it. He starts blessing uh, before he even starts teaching. Come on, that's when you know you're in for a good blessing in life. When somebody decides to bless you before they ask you for anything in this life. Paul is saying to them, blessed are you. And all spiritual blessings in high places in Christ Jesus. He says, everything you need. This is what Paul telling them. Everything you need in this life is already in your belly. Come on. It's already in your belly. This is what Paul is telling. Everything you need to be a smith is already in your belly. It's already in your belly. And so he, he, he says to them, look here. He says, I want you to know that you were blessed with every spiritual blessing in high places in Christ Jesus. He said, that's, that's who you are. But then he goes on and he says something to them. He says, but we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand. I want to preach about that today, that we are the work pieces of God. And work pieces of God has been created, custom created, to produce work that benefit our community and the world in which we live. Oh, I love it. Paul says we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus. We are custom crafted. Paul is trying to teach us we are custom crafted to produce work. That helps to advance the kingdom of God. What does that mean? Listen, listen what that thing means. That, that thing means that uh, you are a custom creature of God. You are a custom crafted creature of God. Created in Christ Jesus. Uh, to do good works for the body of Christ. I got to find this thing, y'all. God, I got too much in here uh, that I want to share with you today. Oh, bless the name of God. Uh, come on, come on, come on, come on. Find me, find me, find me, find me. Find me, find me, find me. Got to find that thing. 
Bless the name. Come on, just pray for me. Just pray for me. I got too much, too much, too much. Oh, God. Help us. Help us. Help us. Help us. Hold on. Hold on. I'm going to find it. 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 Bless the name of God. Sit down. Sit down. You'll make me nervous. Amen. Bless the name of God. I'm going to find it. I'm going to find it. I'm going to find it. Find it. We gonna do it next week? No, I don't want to see. <laughs> listen, listen. <laughs> he says we are. He says of all the blessings that you've had in this life, he says we are custom creatures of God, created in Christ Jesus. For good works. Ah, that's, 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 that's the situation that we find ourselves in. That we are people of God. Who have uh, been created in the image and in the likeness of God. With special gifts. Special talents. And it does not matter what life has thrown your way. You have something to make a deposit into the kingdom of God. But here's the question. I'm going to keep that, that question. Where are the smiths? Listen. The smiths have been in crisis for too long. Come on. And when you are in crisis mode, come on, y'all. When you are in crisis mode, you cannot produce your best work. When your middle name and your last name is crisis, in other words, you always got a crisis going on. That is when you cannot have the time and the energy to be creative, to think about how you are going to do better, how you are going to do more with your life. People who are always in crisis do not have, come on y'all, what it takes to be at their best. You can't be in crisis all the time. You got to learn sometimes how to get out of survival mode. That is poker always in survival. And when you are in survival mode, you, you can't be creative. You can't see farther than your nose. When you are in crisis mode, come on, my God, you cannot produce more than you currently have. People who are artists and artisans, they know, come on, they know they need time to think about how you're going to mix this song with that song. Yeah. People who are artists, they know they need time to do the first draft and then scrap that and start over again. Come on, Rosalind, that wasn't your first design. Nah, you had to design it and then scrap it and design it again and fix this and fix that. You cannot be in survival mode and be a good smith at whatever you are working on in your life. Get out of survival mode. Crisis or survival. Both of them sucks the energy out of somebody that's trying to be creative. You can't always have a crisis. Come on, if the people in your life always oh my god keep you in crisis or survival mode it is time for you to change the circle of your life uh, you ought to tell them crisis 
comes uh, with an expiration date on it. Come on, my God. You're like, I can't. Look, I can handle one crisis. I can handle another crisis. But when you live in a constant state of crisis, that means you're going to keep me in survival mode with you. I don't want I don't want I, I don't I don't I don't want to be in crisis mode all the days of my life. I don't want to be in survival mode all the days of my life. I want crisis. Come on. You know they they, they say what is the Chinese word for crisis? It's either danger or opportunity. Come on. That a crisis can either be a danger or an opportunity. But when you are a smith, come on my God. Every crisis becomes a, an opportunity for you to create something. Why? Because you look at the danger. You stare the danger in its face. Uh, and you decide, uh, I have too much in my belly. I got too much to live for for me to stay right here and die in the face of this crisis. Uh. Paul says it this way. He says, for we are God's workmanship created in Christ. Come on. Right, we got to put a pin right there. Not a church, but in Christ. Come on. Not in church, but in Christ. Because you got a whole lot of folk that are in church, but they're not in Christ. They're like, Pastor, oh, but I come to church. So does not mean that I'm uh, in Christ. No, there's a difference between being in Christ and being in church. Because when you're in Christ, something uh, should have started in you uh, the day you met him. Come on. Uh, the day you meet Jesus, something ought to change about you. The day you encounter the Christ of your salvation, uh, the one who lived and died uh, so that you can have a better life, something uh, on the inside ought uh, to start working in you. Ask me what? Come on. Uh, my imagination. Come on. Uh, my imagination uh, of my life beyond the mess that is in. Uh, my imagination uh, of life that's better than what I currently have. My imagination uh, of strength uh, in the face of my weakness. Uh, joy in the midst of my sorrow. Power in the midst of my weakness. When I'm in Christ, when I come to church, something ought to happen. Well, I was in South Africa preaching, teaching to some preachers. And they were asking me, and they're like, Reverend, how come we don't hear this kind of teaching and preaching from all the preachers who come our way? Uh, uh, they're like, ooh, ooh, we can identify with what you're talking about. But we can't identify with that other kind of preaching and teaching. I, I say, you know, uh, just because you're black <laughs> doesn't mean that you care about black people. Come on. Uh, just because you're black does not mean you got a word for black people. Come on, y'all. 
Uh, one guy jumped up. He said, ah, ah. He said, coconut, <laughs> coconut. I said, what do you mean coconut? He said, we call them coconut preachers over here. They are brown on the outside, but they are white on the inside. And he says, everything about them tells us to stay. Come on, y'all. To stay in submission to what the apartheid system has done to them. He says, nothing about the word that come out of the coconut preacher's mouth help to help me get free from the stuff that binds me. He says, the coconut preachers, they don't say not coconut preachers. I think we call them Oreos in America. They call them coconut preachers over there. And the coconut preachers are the ones who lift up for black people images of a Jesus that does not look anything like them. Blue-eyed, blonde hair, a God that they cannot relate to. Coconut preachers. Now, how did coconut preachers end up leading God's people? Come on, y'all. When a congregation makes no demands on the pulpit to make sure that the gospel that is preached is liberating your life, coconut preachers get a herring in the pulpit. I say coconut. I say coconut. Yeah. When you go to church, you ought to hear something that'll change your life. Every Sunday ought not be feel good Sunday. Every Sunday ought not be a shout Sunday. Every Sunday ought not be a hallelujah Sunday. Sundays ought to be a time when you come to hear a word that will irritate you and agitate you and make you want more out of this life. Forget coming here for two, three hours on a Sunday morning thinking that that will change your life. Y'all heard from the politicians, there's a world going on outside of this church. There's prosperity taking place in this city. There are education that needs to be administered to children. Where are the people? who are going to represent God in the world. When we send our children back there, where are our church members who are conscious and aware to teach our children? I don't want to preach long. Where are the Smiths? I wanna, I wanna ask the other question. Where should the Smiths be? We know where they are. Uh, uh, some have been carted off and assimilated into a culture of mediocrity, a culture of being just consumers. That's where some of the Smiths are. Uh, they're, they're satisfied with mediocre. Uh, they're satisfied with enough. They're satisfied with good when greatness is at their fingertips. Come on, y'all. We can do more, uh, but, but we won't do more because something has not awakened in us. Come on, y'all. We got to talk about church. The church can't be mediocre. I don't know about you, but I was sitting there uh, in these various uh, uh, slave castles. And in every slave castle, there was a church. 
every one of them a church has like what kind of church can worship god on the upstairs and down in the slave dungeons raping and mutilating and trading human beings what kind of religion that does not allow somebody to collect to connect that there is a god who is just and requires people to treat each other like human beings every slave castle had a church big old cross on top the female slave dungeon it's amazing that it was always on top of the female slave dungeon with a with an access hole come on the slaves live downstairs in the dungeon and there's an access hole that they used to send down for where they want which one they want which woman they wanted for the, and imagine all the men because it's male soldiers that's worshiping God on the upstairs male soldiers worshiping God on the upstairs housing female slaves in the feet in the dungeons but right before they caught them off to the west and to America come on y'all they might pick out one bathe her come on and if she refused tire to a cannonball in the middle of the courtyard and let her starve to death so that the other females would not resist come on y'all all in the name of god what kind of god that is there's a need for us to show the world that we serve a god come on y'all a god who is different a God who is inclusive and not exclusive. A God who will not label people, but a God who will lift the labels off the lives of people. A God who will look out for the poor and the marginalized and say, my life is not worth living unless I help to make a deposit in the lives of those who are less fortunate than we are. We are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. There's a work that is good and God is expecting the people of God who are conscious and aware to stand up and do that work. Be a voice for the voiceless. Give hope to the hopeless. Those that cannot read, fight for them to have the right to read. Those that are excluded, you include them you bring them to your table you serve them with love and dignity and passion you love everybody come on stand up there's a good work Come on, there's a, there's a good work that God is calling us to do. It's a work of showing the world. Paul has a, frame, a phrase 
There's a phrase in there. There is isn't. He says, afraid to the praise of his glory. To the praise of his glory. To the praise of his glory. Paul likes that term uh, in the book of Ephesians. To the praise of his glory. There's a work that is for the praise of God's glory. There's a work that when it is done, it is for the praise of God's glory. And how do we know that it's for the praise of God's glory? Right, right there in that passage as we read, Paul says, For we are saved by the grace of God. And it is not of works, least any one of us should boast. You can't boast about God's work. Come on, no. Because God's work is a work that is beyond your ability, beyond your imagination, beyond anything that you can do on your own. Come on, Rev Hope. Get busy doing God's work. Let this be a time and a season in the life of this church where we don't just sit in these pews, but we get up and we roll our sleeves up and we do the work of justice. Love mercy. And that we walk humbly with God. Now I know we got a whole bunch of gifted and talented people at this church. Got doctors and lawyers and PhDs and all these MDivs and principals, vice principals, all of that sitting up in this church. Oh, but I heard a songwriter put it this way. We may build great cathedrals, large or small. Come on. We may build skyscrapers grand and tall. But uh, the songwriter said, I want to remind you. I want you never forget I want you to understand one thing, that you may make six figures, my God. You may be able to hire and fire folks at will. You might be able to influence legislation. But he says, but only what you do for Christ will last. Only that will be counted in the end. Where should we be? We should be doing the work that will be counted in the end. Only what you do for Christ. If you're not going to do it for Christ, don't look for no reward. Um, Listen, this is one thing I know about doing God's work. I didn't want to be no preacher. I didn't want to be no preacher. But my mama didn't, sure enough, didn't want me to be no preacher. You know why I found it? Preachers are poor folk in Trinidad. They're always poor. But I learned something about saying yes to God. I gave up a, you know, a little profitable little chicken business. Uh-huh. Yep. Mr. Representative, I used to be a chicken man. Process chickens sell to all my neighbors i started that when i was 13 years old got a taste of money at 13 years old bought my first pickup truck and i was 17 you had to be 18 
to buy a pickup truck. I was 17, I bought my first pickup truck. I had to put it in my mom and my brother's name because I wasn't even old enough. Come on, y'all. And I was doing good with my little chicken business. Then came this God thing. This God, this, this, this stirring of my soul, this awakening of this thing in my belly, this urge, this uh, irresistible thing, this dream that won't quit rolling in my head. Then I answered that call and then with the call to preach ought to become the call to prepare. So now I want to go to school, come on, to do the work that God has called and assigned for my life because I wasn't hearing in the pulpit. Oh my God, even in Trinidad, they had coconut preachers in the pulpit, drinking fornication, sacking up and adultery, cussing and smoking were the only sins that they preached about every single Sunday. Nobody said anything about the corruption in one of the richest Caribbean islands. Uh, nobody said anything about politicians doing what they're supposed to do. Nobody said anything about me living my best life. I answered that call to do this work. And I'll tell you one thing I've learned about when you answer the call to do God's work. The favor of God will cover you. The favor of God is going to be. I can't see Malika. One thing that I have left out, lost out on since I answered the call of God in my life. I think God keeps me healthy because I do the work. I know y'all look at me right now and can't imagine that I was a shy teenager, bashful teenager. But when the Spirit of God comes upon you, oh my God, you get boldness. You get courage. Come on. Girls, your back gets straight on it. You lift up your head and you forget about what people say and think about who you are. You start walking in authority. You start marching to a different drama. You start saying, I don't have to be like every other preacher. I just got to be the best me. Is it somebody who said there was never another you? Come on, my God. And there won't be another you. So you better get busy being you. And I don't know about you. But I don't want nobody to beat me at being better than me. I love me some me. Yes. Yes. I'm looking for the smith. Got a lot of you in this church. Not today. Right? You're doing good. But listen to me. Listen to me carefully. You've been in survival mode too long. You've been in crisis too long. And you have become comfortable with crisis and survival. 
you have accommodated that spirit in your life. So your appetite for more has waned. But you got more in you. If you have more in you and you want the favor of God, you, 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 it's, it's one invitation. You want the favor of God on your life. You have to do God's work. Give God your hands. Do God's work. The favor of God will be on your life. Meet me at the altar today. You've been in crisis mode. Too long. You've been in survival mode. Too long. Come on, let's get better. And stronger. Want more. Be more. Do more. Quit complaining about what you're not. Be you. Be you. I'm, I'm learning some things about me. I don't like everything I'm learning about me. I, I, I don't like it. But, but that's, that's no excuse why I can't do God's work. I, I, I don't like the contradictions in my life. I don't like the deficits in my life. But it's no excuse for not being who God has called me to be. Quit complaining about who you are not and what you don't have. Do the doggone work that God has called us to do. Do it. Do it. God has started something in you. God, that's why you're in church. That's why you are not at the mall. Or that's why you are not in the park. You're at church. Because God started something in you. Now do it. Get busy doing it. Sign up for something in church. Come on, my God. Ah, take the pressure off the few that's having to do it. Come on, y'all. I got this. I, I got this. I, I got this. Stick to something. Put your hands to it. The Bible says those who put their hands to the plow and look back, they're not fit for the kingdom of God. Stick something all the way through. Quit complaining. Quit being a consumer at church. Come on and be a partner with us. Roll your sleeves up. Do the work of ministry. Come on, that choir members. Now we still need folk in the choir. Still need folk to usher. Need some trustees. Need some strong men around here. Come on, y'all. God has started a good work in us. There's no place like this church. It ain't perfect, but it is the truth that God has made.